I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, a woman's work facilitator, mentor, and coach, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment and leave a review as this is how you can help us reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. The Natural Birth Podcast also has a Patreon page, so if you'd like to shout me a cup of coffee to show me your appreciation for the podcast, then you can do that there. Thank you for all your support and love. It's deeply appreciated. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Taylor. Taylor is a 25-year-old mama from the US who was told by her doctor at 23 years of age that she might not be able to get pregnant due to endometriosis. However, after getting off her contraceptives that she was on due to the endometriosis, she fell pregnant in two months' time. She's a medical assistant and started her pregnancy working at a medical office thinking she'd birth at the hospital. And then she did a 180. She quit her job and started working at a naturopathic office and birth center at seven months pregnant. This is also the birth center she ended up having her empowering birth at. She now wants to tell her story to empower other young women to experience how amazing birth can be and to embrace how incredible our bodies truly are. Curious about Taylor? Find her on Instagram as New. Are you having a birth center birth or a hospital birth coming up? Then I'll add my birth bag checklist to the show notes that I give to all my mamas I work with who's having a birth center or hospital birth. It might help you as you figure out what you really need to bring with you to assist the physiology of birth outside of your home. Hi, Taylor, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Lovely to have you on. And today we're going to hear about your natural birth center birth, where you also started working in your pregnancy. And it seems like an amazing place. I'd love for you to tell our listeners about the story about, actually, let's start with, um, you know, conception, because you kind of briefly mentioned that you were struggling for a few years to get pregnant and was told you probably weren't going to be able to be pregnant, even though you're only 25 at this point in time. So you were even younger when you were told that. Do you want to share with us like why you were told that? Um, Yeah. hmm. Um, So I kind of grew up in the generation here where I wasn't as mindful as I am now. And when I started my period, the thing that you did instantly was go on birth control. So for many years, I was on birth control Mm -hmm. to make your period not as excruciating and to help your cramping. And Mm -hmm. I did that for a while and I got really sick and I got off of it for a few years um, during college. And then more recently, I was having a really hard time. And the doctor 
um, thought that I might have endometriosis. And I am like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is horrible news. And she had said that she thought it would be very hard for me to conceive and that I might not be able to at all. Mm. Um, so to hear that at such a young age, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, be able to do this. And this is such important information for, for women out there. I mean, most women listening to this obviously are quite aware, conscious, natural women, but still like, it's such a thing that most women will go on the pill or go on some kind of hormonal contraception at such an early age, maybe like just in the beginning of their, you know, menses when they just got it. And it just tells you, you know, the basis of our society is so warped where we think that we should medicate away, like being woman, being cyclical, like it's. Anyways, that's a different story, but it is important to know that it doesn't come without risk. Obviously, risk just taking it, but also risk that actually some women don't get their periods back for years. And the the irregularities of their hormones after taking the pill, um, sometimes it takes a long time. If sometimes, yeah, it might mean that you can't have children. Like, And you didn't know that when you were like, what, 14, 15, 16, whenever you got on the pill, right? No one told you that. Um, and it's a, a great disservice that um, you know the medical society is doing to young women who just don't want to be obviously in pain or want to be able to go to gymnastics or, you know, want to be able to swim anytime they want or be free. And like, you know, we can be that, but we can flow with our cycles and we can honor our cycles and we can honor being women. But yeah, in our society, that's just not a conversation that many are having. Yeah. And it blew my mind because now looking at it, I'm like, why did I just let that happen? The way to cure and help treat the endometriosis was to do more birth control. And so I had started the depot and I got injected and I was having, I bled for six months straight. And I finally was like, I can't do this anymore. And I stopped. And about two months later, um, is when I found out I was pregnant and I had taken so many pregnancy tests. It didn't take that long. So I was like something, mm. see, this is, this is not what was meant to be for me. Like I knew this was wrong. So mm. The second I stopped and I was like, okay, I need to surrender myself. Mm-hmm. It happened. And I couldn't believe it. I had taken so many pregnancy tests and they were never positive. And I was like, Oh, this one's not going to be positive either. And it was, and we had just gotten over having COVID. So I thought I was just sick. I was sick for a while and I thought it was just that. And so when I found out I was pregnant, it was almost like, is this true? I took so many tests. I'm like, is this real? Is this real? And I was like, wow. Okay. And so my whole world kind of just changed around and I'm like, okay, so this isn't, I had kind of convinced myself that that might be my fate. Like, okay, you can't have kids. You need to do something else at such a young age. And I wanted to be a mom so bad. So when I saw those two lines, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. I knew this wasn't, wasn't how my life was supposed to be. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So you felt pregnant and what was the next step? Did you know you wanted to have a natural birth? I had no idea I wanted to have a natural birth. Um, I had seen, I had followed this family for a long time on the internet and um, they're just a very uh, plant-based family. They live out in Hawaii. She's had all of her babies at home and I would watch her home births and I would just sob every time. And this was years ago. And I just was like, wow, that is incredible. I don't think I could ever do that, but that is amazing. And then one of my friends about a year ago had called me and told me she was pregnant and she was planning to have her baby at her home. Um, Mm -hmm. She lives in Eugene, Oregon. And her mom had all of them at home. So she was like, I'm doing this. And I was like, okay, well, now I know somebody who's actually doing this. That's incredible. But there's no way I could ever do that. Like I work at a doctor's office. I work in a pediatrician's office. I see women coming in, like you're supposed to have your baby at the hospital. I called the doctor's office the next morning and I let them know that I was pregnant and they told me to come on in to confirm. And so I had to pee again there and they set me up for an ultrasound. Um, oh yeah. Instantly for a 10 week ultrasound to make sure it was oh, like yeah. to make sure yeah. I was how far along. And, um, the worst part was they didn't have any appointments available close by. So you had to travel an hour and a half for these ultrasounds, but you needed to go. Mm. So I was all just, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. And I continued on with that, um, through my 20 weeks. Um, I had my 20 week ultrasound again. Um, I had been convinced to do all the genetic testing that I didn't realize I had to pay out of pocket for. And Uh, also that is totally 
I mean, everything is voluntary as well, right? So obviously yeah. it doesn't, they don't make it out to sound like that. And it's like, just a machine, you do these tests and these routine things and you can decline absolutely everything. Like you don't have to take any ultrasounds. You don't have to do anything in pregnancy or birth or beyond. It's totally your choice, right? We are free sovereign beings. However, <laughs> that's yeah. not the feeling you get, especially in a doctor's office. So just wanted to, you know, say that. <laughs> Yeah. And now if I, if I know what I knew now, I would, oh, I wish I would have started advocating for myself a lot sooner. Mm. Um, when things kind of really took a turn for me, I had seen another, um, girl post something who was more conscious, um, who was just as far along as I was about the fresh test. Um, cause it was about time to do my glucose testing. And this was a much healthier, clean alternative to the glucola drink that they advise you to drink in the hospital, mm. which is full of chemicals. Why would we give that to our little unborn babies? I, it, oh, and I had asked my um, OBGYN if I could take that instead. And her response was, well, a lot of these things aren't typically regulated. I don't think that you can do it. Hmm. So I had a meltdown. I was bawling. I, I had had a rough pregnancy. I was vomiting every single morning and hmm. I was just falling apart. I had lost a lot of weight. Um, work was really hard for me. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And I have always had a hard time advocating for myself. And finally, I, I brought my test into the doctor's office that morning. And I said, this is it. Like, you're about to be a mom. It's not just about you anymore. It's you and your baby. And I was like, okay, no, I'm taking this test. And if I'm not, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back to this doctor's office. I had made my decision right then. Um, I had no idea where I was going to go. I still had no idea that I was going to have a natural birth at this time, but I was just going with it. And so I brought the test in and I showed her and she let me take it. And she actually asked if she could have a pamphlet so she could show other patients. So I had worked myself up and I was like, okay, great. Um, and then I passed the test and I find out about eight weeks later when I'm supposed to have my next appointment, that the woman's center is shutting down completely and that I need to go somewhere else two weeks before I'm supposed to have my baby. Um, still at this time, no idea I was having a natural birth, had done no research. I hadn't done any research my whole pregnancy. I was kind of just going with the flow. Um, and I woke up one morning, I was miserable at my job. I was so tired and something in me had just said, you need to reach out to this office. My close friend had told me about this naturopath office. Um, at the time I didn't know it was a birth center as well. Mm-hmm. And she had been seeing this wonderful doctor there. And I wanted to go as soon as I had my baby. I woke up that morning and I emailed the office and I said, I'm not sure if you guys have ever hired a medical assistant, but I, um, another big thing was I hadn't gotten my COVID vaccine. So no other doctor's office would hire me because mm-hmm. the place I was at was private. It was small. I was safe where I was, but nowhere mm-hmm. else would hire me. Mm-hmm. Um, So I went for the long shot and I told them that as well. I'm like, I'm having a hard time finding a job. I don't want to leave the medical field. Mm. Natural medicine has been my end goal my whole life. And I didn't even know this place existed. It was 30 minutes away from my home. And I instantly got an email back saying that they were looking for somebody. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I had been at my place of work for at least three years and I thought I was going to stay there forever. Um, But I was just so miserable. So this is when it all kind of started to turn for me. And I went in for an interview the next morning and I got the job that day. Um, I walked into the birth center and as soon as I walked in there, I just felt such ease. I was so nervous going and I just felt like I could be myself. I could breathe. And this was how it was supposed to be. And everyone greeted me with open arms, gave me a big hug and said, welcome home. Hmm. And um, the midwife walked me out back to the birth center and Again, I had never even realized that we had one close by to my home. Like no one around me had ever done natural birth. And I saw the birth center and I saw the tub. Um, And as soon as I did, I closed my eyes and I had seen myself there before. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to have my baby. So that's when it all, I was like, okay, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I still had no idea what natural birth entailed. Um, And so we kind of were joking around and I was the new employee and I was going to be the poster child to have their baby. (laughs) And I had finally made the decision to, to have my baby there. Mm. And someone had told me about hypnobirthing. 
So I was like, okay. Um, I started doing some research and listening to things here and there. And I was like, oh, I, I like podcasts. Let's just look up some podcasts. And I stumbled across yours and I started listening to it every morning on my way to work. Um, there was one story that really spoke to me. Um, one, one woman shared her story about how when she birthed her baby, it was a rebirth for herself as well. Mm-hmm. And something about that story, just, I was sobbing and it called to me so much. And I said, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's when I made my decision and I'm so happy. And I want to advocate for so many more, more young women. Now I wish mm-hmm. people knew that this was available and that yes. you can do this. Like, this is what we're made for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so incredible. So I can't wait to share. I can't wait to hear it. So just backtracking, you said first that um, you had two weeks left when you uh, changed jobs and everything. Do you mean two months before? Uh, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise yeah. I was like, whoa, they were like hiring a heavy pregnant <laughs> woman that just about to birth. Okay. So you had two months. You were seven uh, months at that time then. Yes. The, okay. the woman's health center that I was supposed to, mm. the hospital that I was mm. going to deliver at, was shutting down two weeks before my delivery date. Oh, okay. So, but you knew that then two months or two months before about, yeah. Okay, cool. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you for that story. Um, So let's dive on into your birth story now. Do you have any kind of early signs of labor approaching for you at all? So I, um, by the time I was 37 weeks, I had convinced myself that I was going to have this baby early. Um, and everyone kept telling me it's your first baby. You're going to go way past, um, your due date and just don't, don't put that in your head. Don't expect it. Don't expect it. Um, but I, at 37 weeks, I, I decided to stay home from work because I had worked up until that point. Um, yeah, but it was very, where I work, it was super awesome. It was Mm. very, I got to go take a nap when I needed to take a nap and, we deliver babies there. We take care of women. So it was so mm-hmm. nice to be nurtured during my pregnancy. Um, cause like I said, I vomited every single morning up until the day I had my baby. No. Um, yes. And I had told <sighs> myself, I could never do this again. I don't know how people do this. Of course you forget all about that after you have your baby, but up until the day she was born. Did you, did you, but you, gosh, I mean, and you worked all the way up to 37 <laughs> weeks and How was it just, I mean, it's not just because that's horrible. Like you had it the whole time, but could you then keep food down the rest of the day? Was it only like maybe in the morning and then you were all right for the rest of the day or how was it for you? Um, Usually it was first thing in the morning when I would Mm -hmm. try to get up, even if I did the have a snack before you Mm -hmm. sit up trick, I tried it all Um, like clockwork. I just would have to run to the bathroom every morning before I would get ready. Um, and I didn't have much of an appetite. I had actually lost 10 pounds during my pregnancy, which also when I was at the hospital, they made me made it a huge, huge deal. And that Mm. it was a major concern when that can happen to women. It's not anything to be worried about. It's if you're progressively losing weight and your mm. baby's not growing, yeah, we're going to want to check, but it was healthy. They had tried to make me concerned, but I was sick. I was able to eat. It's just mornings were rough. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like everyone has such different stories, right? And so it sounds like hyperemesis, right? Which means that you vomit, yeah, continuously. It doesn't stop usually when it usually should stop, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, what I was curious about was that, right? Because if you have really bad hyperemesis, you might not even be able to eat and you do need like medical help, right? Like drip and get some nutrients into you and stuff. Yes. But the thing is, yeah, your baby, I mean, we love them, right? But they will get everything they need. It's you yes. that will suffer, you know, with hyperemesis. Usually, like, usually your baby's fine because they'll just suck all the goodness out of you. Oh, <laughs> and yes. that's why it's so important that you get goodness in back into you. Um, usually it's you as a woman that suffers. So that's why I was just curious how the heck you could do that. But it sounds like you could keep food down the rest of the day and you could kind of maintain some sort of I don't know, normal life at least. Yeah, I was doing like a daily electrolyte just to be sure because yeah. I did have moments where I felt dehydrated and that was mm. really hard to get up and go to work. And again, that was all what you were supposed to do. Like you work until what you were supposed to do, what I thought mm. you were supposed to do. Mm. You work until you go into labor, you Whoa. use your maternity leave and 
I, so I had convinced myself that's what I needed to do in about 37 weeks. I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to be done. Um, and at that point still, I had really just podcasts every day, podcasts every day, positive birth stories. I still hadn't really done any research. My husband, um, he's a trooper. He's been along for the ride. He had no idea what a natural birth entailed, um, (laughs) until we had our birth center visit at 38 or 36 weeks. Um, he came to the birth center with me and we just talked about our plan and what we would need to do in the case of medical intervention. And it kind of all sunk in for him like, oh, okay, we're just going to have our baby here in this little apartment all by ourselves. And, um, he was so great. My family, um, my family was just kind of like, go with the flow with me, which was Mm -hmm. incredible because no one around like our family has ever seen or done natural birth. Um, so everyone was kind of just go with the flow. Uh, one family member was kind of more like what's going to happen if something goes wrong, if something goes wrong. And I just kind of said, we need to stop talking about if something goes wrong, because the more we talk about that, I don't want to do that. I don't want to plan for something to go wrong. Like in my Mm -hmm. head, nothing's going to go wrong. And if it does, it's going to be okay. An emergency, emergency, no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish more people knew that too. Definitely. And like, you know, you should definitely only focus on what you do want. And when you have a midwife present, she's going to take care of whatever might or might not happen. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to plan for, like, that's not your job. You're not supposed to be the midwife. You're supposed to be the birthing right. woman, right? And focus on trusting your body, trusting your baby, trusting birth. How can you reprogram your subconscious mind to really believe in birth? How can you really uh, understand the physiology of birth and, and optimize it? And that's what you can do as a birthing mother, right? And really trust the process. Uh, and actually like the big thing is like, work on your fears you know be be a fearless birther right how can you become that fearless birther um and then obviously depending on if you go into hospital yeah you should definitely learn about their interventions and you know what you will be you know I want to say offered but that's not always how it feels in hospital but like that is what it is everything is an offer um or you know if you are one of those women who want to free birth like you definitely need to then take full responsibility about all the different potential outcomes because yeah birth is not innately true like safe like sometimes we need assistance right and so that's why I always advocate for you having a midwife or you know someone there that in case of you know most of the time you'll just birth your baby on your own but sometimes you'll need some help you know yeah and midwives are definitely superheroes they are incredible um and so really the 37 weeks is just like that's my turning point for me um I had decided to stay home from work and I every morning I would wake up and I would start listening to a hypnobirthing meditation and I had convinced myself I was like okay we're having this baby um before you before 40 weeks like I know you are you're not going past that date and I was convinced because I could feel my baby dropping um already and I just knew she was super low my whole pregnancy um I could always feel her down in my hips um and her head was super low the whole time um and so every morning podcast I would listen drive to work come home stopped working I would wake up I would meditate every single morning I would drink my raspberry tea and I would go outside and I would just walk in nature for hours, um, hours and hours and hours. And then I had heard about fear releasing and I had talked to my midwife about it because I felt like something was still, something was holding me back Mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out what it was. And, um, once we chatted for a while, I realized I had a lot of my own trauma, um, that I needed to let go of before I had my baby, because I did not want that trauma to come with her. Mm-hmm. I felt that that wasn't fair. Um, my husband and I both, neither of us, um, had parents that were married or together. Um, and so we got married right before our baby was born. Cause we wanted to do that for her and something, I thought that was what I needed to do. And I was going to be, okay, I'm ready to have her, but something was still blocking me. And like I said, I realized it was my own traumas. Um, and so my midwife had told me about fear releasing and I had listened Mm -hmm. to some meditations and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I just kept putting it off. And then one day, um, 
I had finally decided to take a birth class as well with um, a doula. And she was so incredible. And she had talked about fear releasing too. And I'm like, okay, everyone keeps bringing it up. I need to just do this. <laughs> you got to let it go, girl. Um, and so I came home. She said, you need to put on something sappy and cry it out. So of course, what is more sappy than watching women have natural births? It's so empowering. So I threw on Ina May's documentary. I cried my morning away and I wrote down every single fear Um, any trauma that I had, I wrote pages on pages on pages until I could not even think about it anymore. And so I was like, okay, I feel so much better. I'm ready to have this baby. I was doing everything in the books. I, like I said, I was convinced I wanted to have her now. I was doing Clary Sage and Rosemary on my belly, bouncing on my yoga ball. Um, but something was still holding me back, something I was still terrified of, and I could not figure out what it was. Um, and I finally realized we had a patient who was to deliver at the birth center a week before me around then, and she hadn't had her baby yet. And my biggest fear was that we were going to have to be there at the same time and that one of us was going to have to go to the hospital and it was going to have to be me and that everything that I had envisioned for my birth was going to be thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. And I convinced myself that that was what was going to happen and that I wasn't going to be able to have this natural birth. And it was all just going to be torn away from me. Um, and (laughs) that night I had a checkup with my midwife and, uh, the phone rang and it was the other woman who was, um, in labor. And she's like, okay, I'm having my baby tonight. I'm on my way to the birth center. Um, cause she was very like, about to have her baby. And so right after that, I was like, okay, that was the last bit of fear that I was holding on to. And you're going to be able to have your baby. It's not being ripped away from you. Mm. Um, And about two days later, it was the full full moon. And I had been walking around telling everyone I'm going to have this baby um, the night of the full moon, like the full moon's going to put me into labor. And everyone's like, Oh, you're, you're so silly. Like, that's not going to happen. You can't predict when you're going to have your baby. And at that point I knew I was ready. Like I was just so excited and ready to have this baby. I, I was ready to rebirth myself and feel empowered and just become essentially a new woman. That's what it was for me, a new awakening, a rebirth. And, um, full moon was at nine 36 And I was like staring at my husband and I'm like, Hey, okay. When is it going to happen? And he's like, you need to go to bed. Like you just go to bed. And I could not sleep. And an hour later on the dot 1036, I had a contraction and I was like, no, this can't be it. You're not having a contraction. And so I just kind of let it go. And then sure enough, like about every 10 minutes, I just kept remembering the wave. And I'm like, okay, this is just a wave. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I was almost convincing myself that I was having contractions. Um, and that I, that it wasn't real. Like you, this is just because you convinced yourself it's the full moon. Like you're not having contractions right now. Um, and I just remember listening to every, a lot of stories and as soon as the contractions start, you call your midwife. And I was like, don't call her because you're going to be disappointed when she tells you this is your first baby. You need to stay home for a little while. Like nothing's happening yet. So I was like, okay, we're going to just do this. I didn't wake my husband up. I wanted him to sleep. Um, for some, I had always empowered my birth, like imagined my birth basically on my own. Like I wanted to Mm -hmm. labor on my own. I'm just, I've always been super independent and this is something I wanted to do on my own. Um, and we had talked about before my husband, he was like, I, I can't look, I'll hold your hand and look at your face, but I can't be any part of this. Like, absolutely not. And the night before he had told me, I want to catch the baby. Um, so I think that was another big part for me. He was ready and I was ready. And then an hour later, the contraction started and I was like, okay. Um, and so I downloaded a contraction timer. Cause I was like, okay, let's just let's just go with the flow. Like I had read, um, I had just read Ina May's, um, guide to childbirth. I read all the positive stories. I was just filling my head with positive stories, positive stories. And I was like, you can do this. You can do this. Um, and I was watching a video on YouTube and 
the first thing that came on was my first natural birth was horrible and not what I expected. (laughs) And so I instantly was like, oh my gosh, nope, you need to shut that off. Um, I had pictured my labor headphones in the whole time. Not at all. I started, like I said, I started my contractions at about 1030 and I went out on the couch and I just started sleeping. Um, Mm. I was waiting. I was like, okay, maybe I'll um, lose my mucus plug or release my membranes and nothing was happening, but I was definitely having contractions. Mm. Um, And so at that point it was midnight and I decided to get into the shower and I just kind of stood in the shower and let the hot water run down my back the whole time. And as I'm timing the contractions, it starts saying like, okay, it's, it's time to call or it's time to get ready to go. They were every, they were about every two minutes for about a minute for a long time. Wow. Um, That's really great. They started like regular pretty quickly. Yeah. But, and I still, I had convinced myself like, okay, don't call, don't wake her up in the middle of the night. Like she needs to um, well, as long as you feel safe, you know, yeah. as long and as I, you feel safe and trust yourself, then, you know, it's only when you feel, oh, actually, I, I really need someone here now that you call, right? Because otherwise, you just stay in your bubble. And can I just ask you, where were you now? Were you still 37 weeks? Or has, has it- I was, I was 39 weeks. Mm. So you were early, three like days. earlier than your due yeah. date. Yeah. So you did, yes. you were right then. Hey, you, you yes, felt it. I knew it. I <laughs> knew it was going to happen. <laughs> and I just, oh, and that's the other thing is I think it's so important to be where you're comfortable because yes. I know for myself, if I was the second a contraction started, if I knew I was going to have my baby at the hospital, I would be like, okay, it's time. And I'd be there and I'd be uncomfortable And I would just slow down the process even more. And I really like just let myself go. And I was like, okay, like you're having your baby every single night. My husband and I were like, we're ready for you. Like, we're just waiting on you. Um, And uh, so I went through pretty much the whole night um, just by myself in the shower, trying to rest on the couch. And then at six o'clock in the, no, four o'clock in the morning, my husband's um, alarm went off to get up to go to work. And I came in and every morning he was kind of like, is it time yet? Is today the day? Can I stay home? And I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta go to work. You have to go to work. Um, and his alarm went off and I came in and I said, okay, I don't want you to go to work today. And he's like, why? And I said, cause I, we're going to have our baby soon. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, uh, I think I've been having contractions all night. Like, I think I'm in labor. I still wasn't convinced at this point. Like it was so. I had learned to just everything I listened to about breathing, like breath work is so important. I just was breathing through every contraction that they didn't feel like contractions. Like I still did not think I was in labor. Like this couldn't be labor. This doesn't hurt. It's not excruciating. Like I'm not barreled over and I know it was still early, but it just felt like so normal. And I was just relaxing. Um, so four o'clock, I, I kind of told him like, okay, I, I think I've been having contractions all night and I want you to stay home. And he's like, well, did you call the midwife? <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't, I don't think we need to call the midwife yet. Um, of su- as soon as he said that, of course, I started having like way bigger surges and I was like, oh, okay. I, I definitely think I'm in labor now. Like this must just be the start now. Um, And so it was about six o'clock in the morning and I had decided to check in with the midwife. I was like, okay, she should be getting up and getting ready to head over to the birth center for the day. And I called her and I was like, Hey, I, I think that I've been in labor all night. Like, I think I've been having contractions. And she's like, well, what do you mean you think? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, I keep getting cramps about like every one to two minutes apart for about a minute long. And she's like, okay. And she's like, have you lost your mucus plug or had a bloody show? And I was like, Nope. I said, the only thing that has me slightly convinced that I might be in labor is there was like a tinge of pink when I wiped a tinge. I don't even know if it was actually there or or if I imagined it. Um, but she was like, okay, I want you to just stay home. And I didn't panic when she said that. Cause I was like, okay, it, it's still, it hasn't been that long. It's, it's only been maybe eight hours. Like you're, you're okay. And, um, as soon as I hung up the phone, she texted me and was like, I I want you to tell me when they get more intense and when 
when you're really having a harder time and I want you to eat a nice breakfast, Mm -hmm. which again was so nice because before I was told you can't eat anything before, like no more water, like, and it's so important to nourish your body before the work that you're about to put it through. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, you, you, mean, more, you mean when you were like going to go to the hospital, that's what they say. Yeah. yeah. So no yeah, meal. this is a very silly American thing yeah. that is all about prepping you for surgery. You know, that's yes. why they tell women not to drink or eat and um, put a, a drip up instead, which is crazy. Yeah. And so I tried to, I tried to eat a, a good nourishing meal, but at that point I was kind of way farther into my labor than I thought. And I just, I could not eat. I tried to make a smoothie. Um, I tried even just some crackers. I just no interest at all. Um, and about two hours later, it was two, three hours later, it was nine o'clock in the morning and the birth center was about 35 minutes away from our home. And I was kind of at the point where I was like, I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be in the car with these contractions. Like, I think I want to head over and go. Um, so we, uh, fortunately, since I worked at the birth center, we had everything we needed there. Um, so it was already ready to go. I had it in the back, um, ready for us. So we just jumped in the car. Um, I really don't remember the car ride because at this point it really was like picking up and I was kind of just like clenching onto the door handle and breathing through it. Um, at this point, my husband was kind of freaking out. Like he was really pale and he was convinced the whole time that I was going to have the baby in the car. (laughs) He was terrified that that was going to happen. He's like, we're never going to get there in time. It's too far away. Like he thought that baby was just going to come right out. Um, at this point, still no bloody show, no loss of my mucus plug and my water hasn't broken. So I'm like, okay, we still have like a long, long road ahead of us. Does feminine spirituality, natural fertility awareness, conscious conception, natural birth and conscious parenting appeal to you? Would you like to be a part of a like-minded community of women who want deeper and more meaningful conversations and relationships in their day-to-day lives? then the maiden mother and MAGA village might be for you. In our village, you will find women exploring healthy and natural and conscious ways of living, relating and being in the world. Women practicing their magic, celebrating and honoring their cycles and blood rites, practicing fertility awareness and exploring conscious conception. Mothers preparing for and journeying through her rite of passage into motherhood, navigating pregnancy, sharing birth stories, and the early days of her postpartum transformation. Mothers of all ages carrying wisdom and knowledge, sharing and receiving support and encouragement through the intense and the beautiful times of mothering babies, toddlers, and young children and the Magas, the magical ones. She who has claimed her power and become her magic, trickling down her great wisdom to the younger women in the space. When you join the maiden mother and Maga village, you get access to an uncensored and safe online sisterhood community. You get access to monthly live village sharing circles with women from all over the world and live Mama's Q&A with me. You also get access to monthly video lessons and themes to deepen into feminine embodiment, spirituality and sovereignty. You can join our village today and try it out with no risk. Cancel your membership at any time, no strings attached. Find the link in the show notes and I hope to see you inside our sisterhood village soon. So we get to the birth center and I went in the back and kind of just checked in and they had it all set up for us. Um, And the way it is there is there's a whole um, living room area and a kitchen. So that way, if you have your baby early in the morning, you can stay and the midwives will make you a nice breakfast um, and just kind of care to you if that's what you want, if you want to stay before you go home. Mm. Uh, So there's a little living room area and then a bathroom. And then in the back, there's a private bedroom with um, the jacuzzi. 
and I had decided I wanted to do a water birth. Um, still had done no research on water birth. I just knew I was like, okay, this is what I want. Um, I really just kind of surrendered myself at the end of my pregnancy and let go. And I was like, I know what I'm supposed to, my body knows what I'm supposed to do. Um, so I got there and she was like, I just want to check your blood pressure and see how you and baby are doing and kind of see where you're at. And she's like, wow, your blood pressure is the lowest it's been. How are you so calm? Like, this is your first pregnancy. And I said, uh, because I'm here now and I feel safe and I'm ready. Like I'm going to have this baby soon. And I told her that. And she's like, okay, um, we'll see. Like, this is your first one. Like, let's just relax. Why don't you go outside and take a walk in the garden? Um, and I was like, okay. And so it was about 80 degrees that day. And I got outside and I tried to walk and I instantly was like, nope, there were patients outside and I, there was a little kid and I was kind of like bent over the railing and I heard him say to his mom, is she okay? And I was just sweating. I was like, I, I can't walk anymore. Like I, I got to go inside. And, um, I told her that I was ready for her to get the tub all set up. And she was like, well, I want you to wait a little bit longer. Cause I don't want you to, um, I don't want you to rush it. I want you to just kind of take your time. And she's, She's like, do you want me to check and see how far you are? And I was super, super hesitant because I had convinced myself that, no, she's going to check. I'm going to be so disappointed. Like, she's going to tell me that I'm maybe two centimeters dilated. And I just kept convincing myself, like, no. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm ready to have this baby. I think I think I'm ready for you to check and see how far along I am. And so I climbed up onto the bed and my husband looked at me and he was like, again, pale as a ghost. He hadn't really said much to me the whole morning, like, which was okay. Cause like I said, I knew I kind of wanted to do this on my own, but he was just, I don't even know what was going through his head and he still can't tell me. I don't think he even remembers driving there or the whole moment up until she was born. Um, but I crawled up on the bed and I, I looked at him and I was like, are you going to be okay to be in here? And he's like, I think so. And I'm like, she's just checking me. Like the baby's not coming yet. And he was like, okay. And so she told me to take a deep breath. And I was like, all right, she's going to tell me I'm not that far. And she was like, all right, now you're about five centimeters. So you're about halfway. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, wow. I was not expecting to hear that. So we got the tub ready at this point because I just wanted to relax. I was happiest in the water. It was so, oh, such an incredible feeling to just labor in the water. Um, And that was the other thing was the hospital, I couldn't be guaranteed a bathtub. And that's the only thing I knew, the one thing I knew that I wanted for my birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was terrified of not having that. So I wanted to get in that tub as soon as I could. Um, Water is amazing. It's nature's epidural. It's so pain relieving. Mm. I spent my last week of pregnancy just floating in the pool, (laughs) reading Mm. a book and just Mm. kind of walking, walking around and trying to float her out because I knew that I wanted her to get comfortable where she was going to be born. And I knew I was like, okay, the more time we spend in the water, the like, the easier it's going to be for you during our birth. And so I was in the tub for, I thought it was about 20 minutes, but it had been about two hours. Um, I was just kind of laying there and I had a cloth on my head and I was having really bad back labor at this point. Um, it was about noontime. So I, I was just doing everything I could to try and just breathe, breathe, breathe. And I was like moving around in all kinds of positions. And my husband was just kind of like, okay, like, okay, I think we're going to have a baby. And I still was like, no, we have time. Like I just, he's like, do you need anything? And I'm like, nope, just give me a cold cloth. And I fell asleep. (laughs) So I somehow was managing to fall asleep like for 30 second intervals in between contractions. Cause at this point they were coming pretty steadily. Yeah. Um, well, that's the beauty of like when you're in deep labor land, like it's trans, like it yeah, almost like women, it, was, yeah. it felt good. Like it was relaxing. And I was like, yeah. okay, like if you tell yourself this hurts, it's going to hurt, but mm. you are so powerful and your body's not going to put you through anything you can't handle. That's mm. the most important thing I kept reminding myself is like, you are not going to be put through anything that you cannot handle. Like 
you are made for this. You can do this. Your baby knows how to do this. And that was the most important thing for me to remember is that her and I were a team and that we could do this. And this Uh, is the thing that happens only in natural physiological birth, right? Because you have all this, this cocktail of hormones. If you intervene with that, then you don't get this. You can't get to this deep trance-like state. Not all women get there, but lots of women do, especially because of all these cocktails of hormones that can only happen when you have a natural birth. Yeah. And I didn't expect to be able to get to that like lucid, happy, warm feeling because Mm -hmm. it was my first pregnancy. Like I knew Mm -hmm. that I could do this and that I could make it easier and that you were so like, your mind is so powerful. Like it could be a lot easier than what I expected. But I also had told myself like, this is your first baby. Like it still might not be everything you're thinking right now. Like it's, it might not be so good. Like it might not feel the greatest. It still might hurt. Like it's not going to be the best thing that's ever happened. Like that feeling at first. And I was so shocked that I was able to just keep doing that. And at one point it got, the back labor got like too excruciating. And, um, my midwife had asked if I wanted to do a sterile water injection Mm. in my back. And I was like, you know what, at this point, I think I need to, cause I, I couldn't relax anymore. And I knew if I stayed tensed up, it was just going to prolong the process and that yes. I was going to regress from where I was at. And I had come so far and I was so proud. And I was like, you can't let your head get in the way now. Like mm. it's okay to need some help. And I'm like, it's sterile mm. water. Like you're not mm. giving up. It's not an epidural. Like this is not mm. the, what you were afraid of because for me, what was so important was that natural urge. Like I had listened to so much about when you first start, the baby's head might come out and then come back a little. Mm-hmm. And that that's so normal and natural. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain to people that had questioned me because when I left my job, they were like, you better not have your baby at that birth center because it was a Western medicine practice. And I couldn't, I couldn't even tell them because I didn't want to hear what they had to say at that point. And for me, I couldn't even like stand up for myself and say I was having my baby at the birth center yet at that time. And so I just kind of let them go. Um, But so I got the sterile water. I knew I didn't want the epidural because I wanted to feel that natural surge and know that it was okay. And that my baby was helping me and that my body was stretching to how it needed to. And I, that was my biggest fear in the hospital was if I'm pushed with an epidural, I'm probably just going to say yes. And I didn't have enough faith in myself because I knew under that, I feel Mm. stress in that setting that I would cave under pressure and just be like, yes. And I was terrified of that to not be able to like actually feel myself and help my baby come out. Yeah. I started to get those surges and I really was like, okay, we're going to do the sterile water. And so at this point, (laughs) she's like, I need you to try to come out of the tub if you can. And I hadn't stood up in at least two hours. So I was like, oh my gosh, how am I, how am I supposed to do this? Like I'm having a contraction every, what feels like 30 seconds at this point. Um, And I managed to like slither out of the tub and the bathroom was just a few feet away. And so um, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, I was sitting backwards on the toilet, kind of like hugging it. And, um, at that moment I got terrified. I absolutely hate needles. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even look at this. And she goes, you're not going to like me. Um, but I want you, I want to make sure that you want me to do this. And she goes, I think it really is going to help just relax you so you can get back to where you want to be. And I was like, okay. And so she said, okay, on the count of three and they put the sterile water, um, two injections on both sides of my lower back. And I screamed bloody murder. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I did not realize how bad that was going to hurt. Like that was worse than any contraction I had had. Um, It's like a wasp thing. Yeah, Yeah. it hurts. Oh, my gosh. Like it better be (laughs) worth it. And I had been so calm. Like I wasn't one of those like snipping at my husband or like I was just so happy and giddy. I wasn't demanding or like barky. And I was just like, that was the one moment that I was like, okay, I'm ready for you guys to stop. (laughs) And they finally did. And it did help a lot. It kind of just relieved that pressure off my back. So I was able to get back into that state where I needed to be. Um, 
So at this point I crawled back into the tub and my midwife went upstairs to go do some work. And I look over and my husband had fallen asleep on the bed and I was like, all right, I'll just wake him up when it's time. And I started to doze off again. And then all of a sudden I just got this urge, like, okay, I think like, I feel like I need to push. It can't be already like there's no way. And so I'm trying to wake my husband up and I'm like, babe, I'm trying to just like softly talk to him. I'm like, babe. And then I'm like yelling. I'm like, babe. And I screamed his name and he was not waking up. And so I (laughs) started to panic. And so I took the washcloth off of my forehead and I chucked it at him and I hit him right in the face. And he jumped. I was like, I I need to push. I was like, you need to go get my midwife. Her name is Sarah. I was like, you need to go get Sarah. And he's like, what? And I was like, I feel like I need to push. Like, I, I just want to want her to come see where I'm at. Cause, um, she had checked and a one part of my cervix was slightly still there. And she's like, I don't want you to push because I don't want it to become inflamed. And I had listened about breathing through and opening up on your own. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to picture it opening on my own and I'm going to be fine. Like, I feel like I'm going to have this baby any second. And so my husband comes back in and he's like, oh, she's not out there. And I was like, well, did you go find her? And he's like, no, the lady out front said that she's upstairs. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, I need you to go get her. And he kind of just like shut down at that point. And I was like, okay, can you hand me my phone? Because thankfully I knew she would have her phone right next to her. And I texted her and I said, I feel like I need to push. And so she came down and she's like, okay. I want you to try to just breathe a little bit. Don't push quite yet. Like you're getting there. And at this point I was like on my hands and knees. Um, and I was convinced that I was going to vomit my whole labor since I had vomited my whole pregnancy and I had started to get nauseous and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm transitioning. Mm -hmm. And I almost like saw the glaze go over my own eyes. And I was like, okay, it's time. And she was like, okay, I'm going to give you a minute. And she just stepped out into the other room and, um, before I knew it, I was on my hands and my knees and I could start feeling her head come out. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted to like help her head come out. That was the one thing for me. Like I wanted to be in control and see how far along, like where I was, what I needed to do. Um, but I felt some sort of bulge. And so I started to panic a little bit because I was like, Oh no, is that my cervix? Like, is that what she was talking about? Is the baby going to have a hard time coming out? And I'm like, Oh crap. Okay. Don't push yet. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to have the baby. And my husband was like, okay. And I started to like grunt really bad. And the midwives came running in and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, her head is in your hand. And I was like, is it really? And they're like, yeah, do you want a mirror? And I was like, okay. And then I felt her head go back in a little bit. And I was like, okay, don't worry. Like just take a few deep breaths, relax. Like regain the energy that you need. And then I felt that bulge again. And I was like, what is that? What am I feeling? Like, is everything okay down there? Cause at this point I was like, oh my God. She goes, oh yeah, it's her sack of water. water (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh my God. And I was like, okay. So I could feel her head behind it after. And I was like, okay, there's her head. And so I'm looking in the mirror and I just took a big deep breath. This was push number, really push number one. And her head came out and I could see her head in my hand in the mirror. Mm. And, um, my midwife was like, are you, are you okay, Spencer? Like, are you ready? And he came over and she's like, cause the baby's coming out. And within three pushes, baby was out and she was born in her bag of waters. Um, yeah. So she had to, at the very last second it popped, um, but she came out in her bag of waters. So, cause I was like, my water never broke. I never had a bloody show. My mucus plug never like what's going on. Am I really in labor? And then she came out in her bag of waters and that's so beautiful. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I was just so calm. The midwives had run in and they were like, we're so sorry. Like we didn't think that you were really that far along because you're so calm. And I was like, I was telling you (laughs) that her head was in my hand Hmm. and it was I think it worked out the way it was supposed to, because I knew I really wanted to do it on my own. Yeah. And I, I just pushed her out three big pushes and wow, it was incredible. It was, uh, and to see her come out in her bag of waters, I was like, wow. And I had done some research and in a hospital setting, it's one in 80,000 births that that happens. 
but most of the time they break your water for you. So I feel yeah. like a lot more people would see it because my midwife was like, oh, this is incredible, but I've seen this a lot. Yeah. And it was the coolest feeling ever though. And oh, it was, it was incredible. Especially in water and especially at home or in a birth center where you can really stay in that calm, safe environment and where the physiology is really upheld. Um, yeah. It's called a mermaid birth yes. you know when babies come out and call or in the membranes in the sack and uh it's much more gentler for them yeah you know because they get they don't get as squished you know because they get cushioned a bit more with the water right in the sack so yeah but yeah Her round. Came out, like perfectly round and she was just eyes wide open looking up and she was holding her head up from the minute she came out it was incredible she was looking right at her dad and uh I just, that feeling when you first push out your baby, I, they had recorded part of my birth and at the end I picked her up and I looked at them and I said, that wasn't bad at all. And I had never imagined myself saying that having a baby. And it just truly is incredible. Like how amazing our bodies are and our minds. And the part that for some reason after I had said, I don't know why I'm so scared to deliver my placenta because that was the easiest part. They're like, Oh, it's squishy. There's no bones. Like that's no problem. And I think right then is when I let my fear block come back up because Mm -hmm. I couldn't get my placenta out for about three hours. Um, Mm -hmm. we had tried everything in the books. We were trying to nurse. My husband was trying to stipulate, stimulate my other nipple for me. I had tried some herbs. Um, I had done some oils in the toilet to try to help myself like relax and pee. I tried to meditate and I was like, you, you envisioned your birth and you breathed your baby out. Like you can do the same with your placenta. Like you can let go now. And at that point they're like, okay, it's been about an hour and a half. Like your uterus is starting to go back up. And so my fear again was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. Mm. And I was like, how did I just have this most amazing magical birth? And I can't get my placenta out. Like what's wrong with me? Like how, how is this happening? Like this can't be happening. Like, this isn't what I pictured. And I started to remind myself again, like, okay, like you can't have it how you pictured, like something's going to happen and you need to just go with the flow. And so at this point, they're like, I really think that we need to give you some Pitocin. And I was kind of like, oh my God, no, Pitocin. Like, that's what they use when people are starting to have babies. It's not like it's synthetic, it's bad. But I was like, no, I I need to get my placenta out. Like, this is, this isn't like, we need to do this. And so we gave the Pitocin another half an hour, like nothing. I wasn't cramping. I I was trying so hard and nothing was happening. And my midwife at that point was like, okay, like I'm going to have to go in and help you take it out because we need to get it out now because it really was starting to go back up. And I was terrified of hemorrhaging Mm. Um, when I was, my mom had hemorrhaged when I was born. So I had that in the back of my head that that could happen to me just because it happened to her. Yeah. And so instantly my, my mind started to go there and I convinced mm-hmm. myself that I was bleeding out on the bed and I was screaming for them to come in because I thought that I was bleeding everywhere. Um, but I had just gone from sitting and I sat up a little bit. So there was yeah. a little bit of a bush. And at that point I had shut down and I completely freaked myself out. Um, mm-hmm. and I had asked to go to the hospital and I was so disappointed in myself. Um, but my husband was in tears. I was in tears. I was looking at my midwife and I was like, what do I do? And she's like, I can take it out for you. Um, It's just not going to be comfortable. And at that point I had completely shut down and I was like, no, I need to go to the hospital. I need to go to the hospital. And she called the hospital and was like, I have, I have a young woman here. We can't get her placenta out. It's been about three hours. Like, are we able to come in? They're like, yeah, come right in. And I cried the whole way because I was like, this is not what I wanted. Hmm. And I got there and I was like, can I please just like go to the bathroom before you make me go to the OR? And they're Mm -hmm. like, can you just pee sitting there in the bed? And I was like, no, I want to get up. I'm capable of walking. Like I want to get up and I want to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, the umbilical cord was like dangling around my leg, like wrapped around blood was going everywhere. Like it was just not the greatest thing for me. I was ready to go home. I I had pictured myself like home with my baby and my partner and it was incredible. And this was not what I pictured. Finally, they let me go to the bathroom 
And I crawled back up on the bed and I said, can I just try one more time? And she's like, I need you to push hard. And I said, I'm pushing as hard as I can. And all of a sudden my placenta came flying out right before they were going to wheel me to the operating room. And I was like, oh my goodness, thank gosh. And I looked at them and I said, how do I have a baby at the birth center? And then I can't get my placenta out. And I come here crying, thinking you're going to cut me open. (laughs) And they're like, we wouldn't do that to you. And my midwife was there, which was great. But at that point, I, I had completely shut down and I felt like I had failed myself at first. And for a while I was like, I can't share that as part of my story. Like it didn't, you went to the hospital, like that's a failure for you. And I had to do a lot of, that was my postpartum that I had to deal with. I'm like, you didn't fail yourself. Like this is part of your story and you did that on your own and you can share that. And yeah, I want other people to know like young women, like this, Mm. this is so important for growth and Mm. that's, we're just so incredible and you need to do this. Like more women need to do this and embrace this. And if something doesn't go as planned, it doesn't mean you failed. And yeah, it was just incredible. And also like that it's so like birthing the placenta is a part of birth, right? And a lot of times you forget about it. You know, you just think about birthing the baby and then, and sometimes, you know, the placenta just comes on out and sometimes it doesn't. And it's just that, isn't it? Like when fear gets in the way, fear is such a big thing that can interrupt labor, whether that is labor, birthing the baby or birthing the placenta, you know, and just like you spoke of before, you know, that before you have your baby, if you are able to look at your fears and um, release things that might be woundings that could come up in your labor and birth and the birth of the placenta because that's all a part of it, you know, yeah. that'll be so beneficial because yeah, you, you know, sometimes the placenta doesn't come out just easily. Yeah. And uh, we need to stay in that love bubble. We need to stay high on oxytocin. We need mm-hmm. to, you know, really allow those hormones to continue to be so high without any interruption for the placenta to let go as well yep and now I have it printed on the wall (laughs) as a good reminder um beautiful tree of life and the biggest part too for me going to the hospital is I was nervous that they were going to say well you really should stay the night Mm. and that was the last thing I wanted to do so it was nice to be able I was there for 20 minutes at most. I got my placenta out on my own. Like I wanted, I did tear a little, so I did need a suture. Um, and then I got to go home with my husband and my baby, which is the other, I think is so important. And I wish people knew that that was an option. Um, yeah. our midwives came the next morning and a few days later, and it's just so important to be home in your space where you're comfortable with your baby and to have that bond. And people forget that a lot too. And, oh, it was just, uh, next time I want to do it at home, definitely. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. To be at home is magical. And it's just like you say, but this is, again, I guess if you birth in a hospital, they might not have a service that they will come out the day after or you know, days after. Some countries, you get that for maybe a week or two or longer, depending on the state or the country. And in some places, no one will come to your home. Yeah. So that's again, like if you employ your own midwife, for example, home birth midwife, or sometimes, you know, the birth center midwives, they will come home as well. So yeah, to shop around and get that, that, get that care, you know, all women and their new families should have that care in their home. And a lot of new parents will go like, oh, I'll stay for a couple of days in the hospital, right? And be in the ward. But what they don't realize is that it's very hectic there. Like, they might not even get to see the midwife that often. If she comes in, she just takes boxes and take maybe observations on you and don't have that personal time of like doing, you know, breastfeeding help or talking about your recovery or just sharing about the birth and doing those things that really matter. Mm-hmm. So you might end up just staying in hospital, getting your blood pr- pressure checked and your temperature checked and, you know, and then just someone running in and out being stressed and you don't sleeping well or your baby. So I do encourage everyone to think about you know, just what you said, the option of going home and having a good night's sleep, you know, that first mm. night or that first time you sleep after the baby's born, it's probably the longest sleep you'll ever have. <laughs> yes. She slept for five hours. I was mm-hmm. blown away. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And some babies will sleep even longer. It could be like eight, 10, yeah. you know, that first sleep if it's uninterrupted, which is yeah. hard to get in the hospital. And people don't realize this, right? So definitely do also recommend going home. Well, that's so beautiful, Taylor. What a beautiful story. And and yeah, some some beautiful lessons in there as well, you know, that fear that came that kept your placenta in until you were like, no, I'm getting it out. And you did. Yes. <laughs> it was just there and you just shot it out. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Love the power of the mind and your will as well. Yeah, it was great. So if you had a first time mama in front of you right now, who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, what advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? I would tell her to stand up to herself from the start um, and completely, completely surrender yourself to the process. Um, one of the first things you should do is the fear releasing. I think the sooner you get that done, mm-hmm. the better. And if you have to keep doing it, keep doing it. If you have to write it every day and let it go, then do it, but do it until it's not in your mind anymore. It's yeah. so important. Um, and you're in control and you're in charge. Um, every, every pain or surge is just bringing you closer to your baby. And the more you remind yourself that, the easier it's going to be. And just, you really can, the mind is so powerful. You can breathe your baby out. You can enjoy your birth. Um, and I don't want anyone else to convince you otherwise, um, especially all the young mamas out there um, where you might have not never heard of a natural birth. I've been trying to tell mm-hmm. all my friends and I've shared my story with them now. And they're like, wow, okay. I know somebody who did that. And I hope that that can continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Um and it really is a beautiful thing. And I think it's super important as a woman to experience that and grow and, and find that different part of you in a natural birth. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your birth story. And now you can share it to everyone, you know, yeah. <laughs> spread the word about natural birth. Yes. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.